Hi, I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma, So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here we talk about the second season of the Fruits Basket reboot. We try and keep it spoiler-free, but sometimes we slip up. So if you're avoiding spoilers, please check the episode description for timestamps as well as for content warnings. Without further ado, let's enjoy the episode. Um, this episode was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot to unpack. <laughs> there was just, like, a lot of moving pieces. This episode had a lot of irons in the fire. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, many things happening. Lots of many. characters. Lots of elements. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was good. I liked it. Me too, I liked it a lot, but I was kind of, like, reeling at the end, because so much happened. Yeah. Um, um, that cold open was yeah. so beautiful. Uh, it was good. Yuki always be in that corner. That's the- <laughs> He's in the same corner every- t- well, like, every flashback where they show him in, like, the room, he's always- in the same corner. I don't know. Uh, but I think... Dude, that's his little corner. Yuki, Yuki, Haru, and Rin are a beautiful semi-nonsexual thruple. Um, <laughs> you know? Like, they sometimes... They are. I do know. <laughs> Yuki loves his boyfriend, and Haru loves his boyfriend and his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how that works. Yuki and Rin sort of begrudgingly accept each other's existence. Yes, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I love the motif that the reboot has of like opening and closing doors. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really effective, and I like it's like it's very repetitive, but like in a really good way. It I works guess that's really literally well. Literally, the definition of a motif. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah it was like really beautiful in the cold open when we see the shot of Yuki inside the room through the doors and they slide closed and the opening started it's really good it's good and new opening new opening finally finally wow. this one's a lot better like yeah. it doesn't like it's still not the best opening, but the art's really pretty and the song is like more listenable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I like the song much better. Like I actually like this I don't love the song, but I like it much better than the other one. And I really like the animation. It's really beautiful and the camera work is really interesting and the lighting design is like really well thought out. So like and like it is the same like, oh, they're just walking, like they're walking here. But um they're walking in a much more interesting way. They're doing little character walks. It's not just all of them walking in a void of shoujo bubbles um, yeah. in a line for no discernible reason. It's very, like, cinematic. I mm-hmm. liked it. Yeah. I didn't sure. like that it faded out at the end, though. Not a fan of faded out openings. Yeah. That was my big problem with it. <laughs> that's, that's your big grievance, the fade out. My big okay. grievance, the fade out. Just end the song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, next no- stuff I have is just like, I fucking hate Toru's family. What is wrong with them? <laughs> like, yeah, they're all why assholes. Are, why are they so mean to her? Like, they're like- She's this a fucking is, orphan. She's a, she's a 
15-year-old girl with Orphan who, like, is really nice. Like, she's not even, like, you know, like, if I was a traumatized 15-year-old orphan, like, I bet I would be a total asshole. Like, <laughs> is, like, super sweet, super obliging, and everyone is like, this is so annoying, and her existence is an inconvenience to me, and I hate this bitch. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you people? Have you no heart? Why are you so mean to this teenage orphan? I don't understand. It, like, literally, what is wrong with her family? Like, the only one who's valid is her grandpa. Like, he's fine, but honestly, if I was her grandpa and, like, my kids were being a bitch to a 15-year-old orphan, I would be like, get out of my house. I'm taking care of the 15-year-old who's actually nice. Right? Oh, yeah. Her family's all assholes. I hate them. Um, I love Shigure's physicality with Toru in this scene. He kind of, like, grabs her head and, like, kind of, like, just moves her out of the way. I think it's, like, so cute and familiar and, like, warm. Yeah. They're all- they've all lived together for a while now. They're all, like- they're their weird little family, you know? Yeah. That- that whole interaction also when Yuki walks in, it, it was all very cute. It's very cute. I think it is, like- it is one of those moments that kind of forces you to remember that, like, for all intents and purposes, Shigure is Toru's guardian. Um, yeah. Like, they all have weird, fucked up relationships with their parents and are being taken care of. I mean, like, their guardian is just this, like, weird, like, mid-twenties, like, shitty author who writes, like... Uh, it's just, like, this dude, um, but he is their guardian, he does- it. that is, like, his role to them, even if he mostly just lets them fend for themselves. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, like, it's a good thing the three of them are so well-behaved. Yeah. Like, he never has to like, discipline them. Not that- I don't no. even know if Shigure would discipline them, but, like, they don't really do anything where that words discipline anyway, right? No, it's just, like- they're almost better behaved than he is. When they all move into the house initially, they do destroy a lot of his belongings. That is um, true. But all he does is he's like, if you break my door, you have to fix my fucking door. Um, <laughs> like, like, he makes them repair the things he destro- they destroy, but aside from that, like, that's about as far as it goes. Um, and then they all kind of calmed down. Like, they haven't really destroyed furniture since, like, the first season. Yeah, Yuki and Kyo, like, don't really fight that way anymore. They've really come very far with each other. And that they can have, like, like, actual conversations. And also that, like, Yuki, like, even knows, like, how Kyo is feeling. True. Because, like, because he's paying attention. Yeah. Um, but also just because, like, Kyo's part of his life now. Mm-hmm. He, it's... They've had to adjust to each other and have gotten to know each other whether they wanted to know each other or not. Um, yeah. Both because they live together and also because, like, they share a best friend. Yes, they do. So. <laughs> they share two best friends, really, because I feel like Haru... Is also kind yeah. of Kyo's best friend in a way. True. It's like I don't think he's no... as I don't think they're as close as Yuki and Haru, but I think they're pretty close. And I think it's fun that they kind of like 
begrudgingly have to sort of accept that the other person isn't inherently a terrible person because like if you have like they obviously trust and value like Toru and Haru's opinions on people and like think they're good judges of character for the most part and so like the fact that they are accepting of the fact that Toru loves both of them even if they don't like each other means that it's like they know it's a them problem and not like there's fundamentally something wrong with the the other person so yeah I liked Yuki so like whatever they have the phone conversation they hang up and Shigure's like have you talked to your parents Yuki and told them that there's a conference um and as Yuki is saying that he has problems with his parents and that he's like worried about the future the camera is lingering on Kyo's bracelet as he opens the door to his bedroom and it's like oh so good <laughs> the Yuki Kyo parallels but also like I just I love I was like ranting about this the other day but just the like I love the like the function of the bracelet and how like it's omnipresent and you and Kyo just has to like wear this physical reminder of the curse with him all the time um and like sometimes I just look at it and randomly remember why he's wearing it and I'm sure like he has the same feeling uh yeah so, yeah I like the way they utilized it here especially since it's like it's something that he's worn his whole life and it's like I don't know it is yeah it's it's good I also I liked like, the moment where Yuki's like, I still have a lot of things to work on. Like, one of the things I really like, I mean, this is true of this episode, but also true of Fruits Basket as a story, and Yuki's arc in particular, is I like how deliberate it is. Like, it's not a story where, like, you see a character, like, grow and develop without, but, like, just, like, by virtue of things that happen to them. Yuki, it's like, this is a story about Yuki making a deliberate choice to get better and to try and work through his trauma and become a functional person and I really like that as a story like I think that it's really powerful to see an example of not just someone in a really dark place through things that they experience learning to become like a happier person it's a story about like both a combination of like Yuki meeting the right people getting into a better situation and then once he's like finally kind of stabilized as a person he's like reaches a baseline level of functional he's like okay but I have to keep pushing and at this point it's up to me and I think I just I really like the way it's written yeah big same (laughs) and then is we're at the school which I thought was a really cute scene of the four of them um like hanging outside together I thought it was I, I thought it was a cute detail that they gave Haru a switch I like, like, I like the, the, the consistency in which, um, that, like, Haru likes video games as a character trait, and, like, we see it consistently. I thought it was, like, a nice detail. Um, it's cute. They give characters little things that just, like, flesh them out subtly that make them seem more human, which I think is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, I also liked that Haru called Momiji an air purifier, and everyone just, like, accepted that at face value and move forward. He's right, though. It is true. Um, and it's very cute. Haru is yeah. a weirdo. They're all weirdos, and they both just kind of... They, everyone just rolls with it. Everyone's like, yes, this is how Haru's gonna phrase that. We agree. 
I also love how, like, like just speaking of the way that Haru, like, phrases things, just Haru being, like, I don't remember what the exact line is, but he says something like, oh, like, a man's blue day, and, like, looking to di- Yuki directly in the eyes, and he's, like, Haru. <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny. Cute. Like, Haru, Haru's, like, so perceptive to, like, what is going on with Yuki, um, but he's also so obnoxious about telling Yuki that he knows. <laughs> it's like, I know what's going on, and I'm gonna, like, dangle it in front of you. Uh, <laughs> they're they're good. And I liked their little conversation as they're, like, lagging back from Toru and Momichi. Um, like, I love that, like, Haru is so open about his feelings to Yuki, and I think, like, it really speaks to why Yuki feels comfortable, like, so comfortable around Haru is because Haru Mm -hmm. like really like like it's a very like um like they mutually both tell each other a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. um and I like that their like conversations are all really like comfortable and yeah like you can tell like Yuki feels like safe with him yeah and I mean I mean we see from this episode that Haru was kind of the first person that would come talk to Yuki and befriend him and like just be someone to talk to that isn't like doesn't have any kind of I don't know external motivation or just is his abuser um so it makes sense that like Haru is one of the people that Yuki has the easiest time talking to because he's the person that Yuki's been talking to the longest right uh also uh I made a note that I think Haru's Japanese voice actor again like I say this shit every week every fucking person in the cast is awesome but Haru's Japanese voice actor like really captures captures Haru's personality in like a really good way like he like gets yeah and he's a minor character but like all of his not a minor character but a supporting role um but he still fucking like gets it (laughs) and I and I imagine he's not easy to play yeah he's super no like not in the like he is a weirdo but it's just like he's got a weird specific personality where he's very sort of like deadpan but not like he's not like a grouchy deadpan like i feel like deadpan characters are usually kind of like sardonic but haru's very like like, like earnest or hana yeah haru's very earnest and sweet but also just kind of like monotone and weird and like kind of aloof except he's not aloof because he's very emotionally available so it's just this like weird space he exists in i know exactly um yeah, he's just a very genuine guy with a very deadpan voice. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> Fucking love him. I mean, I liked the little comment where Haru, like, it's just like, they know each other really well, and Haru's good at, like, Haru knows what Yuki is doing, and he's, like, proud of him for it, which I think yeah. is just sweet. And he's, like, says little things to encourage him, and I think it's nice. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm glad you're doing, like, Yuki's like, I don't know, student council's stressful, and there's, like, a bunch of things, and I don't know what's happening, and Haru's like, yeah, but that's good for you. And I'm like, you're right, Haru. Um, yeah, it's okay. sweet, because he does it twice during this episode, tells Yuki that he thinks that the student council is good for him, and that, like, he can tell that he's pushing himself. Like, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that they include that, like, Haru tells Yuki that he's supporting him, and I think it helps Yuki. Um, yeah. It, it validates what Yuki's feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Machi was there. <laughs> Machi was there. She sure and also, was. I noticed that, like, um, I guess, like, so he, like, didn't use an honorific for her at all, which I was kind of surprised by. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's going to continue, but he just called her Machi, not, like, Machi-san or anything. 
Yeah, I didn't notice, but you did. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene opens up with a quote that I wrote down. Um, Yuki says we have various things that burden us, and it brings us to Yuki standing under the huge imposing gate of the Soma estate, and he's, like, tiny in comparison, and I think it's, like, referencing, like, like the burden of the curse and the burden of, like, the legacy of the Soma family name, and it's making Yuki's personal pro- problems feel, like, really small and insignificant in comparison. Mm. That was my read on it. I did not make a specific read on that specific scene, but yeah, I can... It was just that one moment. I can, that's a hot yeah. take. I like that. Thank you. And then I didn't actually write anything else down about that scene. Oh. Um, it's the scene where he goes to his parents' house. Yeah, I think the thing, the, the thing that I wrote down, which wasn't actually specifically about this scene, but just, like, I think it's kind of funny that Fruits Basket as a story, like... Is, has a quote-unquote love triangle, right? And I mean, at this point in the story, like, we know what's happening with it. Like, she's- it's- it's- we know that Yuki is, like, not gonna end up with Toru. Um, I mean, we don't technically know, but, like, we know. Um, and- but I think it's funny that Yuki is, like, the B love interest, but honestly gets way more time in development than Kyo. Um, where in most other stories, if you have, like, kind of two love interests, the one that the main character actually ends up with is usually the one that gets a lot more focus. But, no, it's Yuki time. And it's because Yuki is Takaya's favorite character, and you can tell. Um. Yeah. No, I think that, like, the way that, like, that the three of them function is actually really interesting because Toru is the audience surrogate, which would kind of automatically make her the protagonist but i feel like yuki is the main character yeah um or almost that like toru and yuki almost get like equal time um and then kyo is more of like a very strong secondary character but also the thing with kyo that that i think that like the way that she like structured fruits basket is that like kyo gets the first act so like he gets like all of his really important character development he gets first and then the second act is about Yuki, and the third act is about Toru, and he gets his char- most important character development in the second act, and she gets her most important character development in the third act. Um, so, like, they kind of do get equal time, um, but, yeah, I would say it. they almost get equal time, but it, like, slightly favors Yuki. It does. Which is weird, because he's not the audience surrogate, Toru is. Mm-hmm. You do get you get mo- you get more Kyo again once we kind of we switch to finally developing Toru in the third act. Right, exactly. Um, no, Kyo definitely takes like a backseat during this um, part of the manga. Yeah, or not part of the manga during this part of the story. He kind of like he's still there, obviously, but yeah, we see him around. Yeah, but his most um, like radical change has already happened. That's that's very much true. Yeah. So then. Yuki leaves the house from Parasite because his parents live in the house from Parasite. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And then I wanted to ask you about, because, like, I I feel like you will have a better read on this than I did. Um, it goes straight to the shot of Kyo looking at Toru from inside the empty classroom. Um, and, like, the only thing I can figure out, like, what was going on, because, like, I was kind of having a hard time reading Kyo this entire episode because he's, like, almost, like, 
he's like more like depressed than I think I've ever seen him in the show so far in this episode. Um, and I just feel like the thought of his future and like what it means for him and Toru is weighing on him. And I, I also like, I don't know if this is like a correct read, but I think he may, he might be paranoid about what Kagura said to him about her pitying him and projecting it onto Toru. But I don't like know if that read is right. <laughs> I don't know. I just like couldn't I figure honestly... out why he was so sullen this episode. I was honestly having a similar problem where I was like, it was just like, his his behavior's a little confusing because like on the one hand like a lot of his recent like important character moments have been revolving around him like just focusing on the fact that yes his time is limited but he wants to like dedicate that to Toru but right now he's like in a funk um and I mean part of that is theoretically like he is just a teenage boy and so even like his growth is non-linear in the sense that like he can make revelations and then still I don't know get really depressed for a week uh and I don't exactly like honestly I don't know what about his conversation with Kagura fucked him up so yeah. much like honestly I'm confused too exactly like what about like I guess you could say like yeah the thing about her pitying him upset him but I don't think that's it like, I don't think he thinks Toru pities him. I don't think that's a concern of his. Um, yeah, because it didn't really seem like it bothered him that Because he was kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Like, it didn't seem like it bothered him that much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I honestly, like, I'm kind of confused as to why he was so distant. Like, I mean, he's going through a lot. I mean, it definitely, like, has something to do with the parent-teacher conference and that he's just, like, stressed about, like, the thought of his future. Like, that is pretty obvious, but, like, it does tie back to Kagura to some extent, and I just, like, don't really know why. Yeah. I don't get it yeah. either, honestly. Listeners, <laughs> us. if you understand why the fuck they're be- or send us an ask on Tumblr, I don't know where our listeners interact with us the most, uh... If you understand why Kyo was depressed this episode, please let us know. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Alas, our two brain, c- brain cells. Our two brain cells fail us. To- fail us, yeah. <laughs> Yuki and Kagura. Yuki, you're so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. like crying, and he's like, "Oh, she's fine." <laughs> And I very much oversimplified that, but <laughs> but it's just that she's like, she he's like, oh, she's so like sure of her feelings, but like she's clearly very unsure about her feelings and doesn't know what to do with them. But I think that Yuki is like so self hating that he just assumes that everyone else around him is doing better than him when it's just not true. Yeah, I, I liked, I did like the Kagura moment where you see her, like, Yuki's like, oh, Kyo's been really weird and distant lately, and she's like, even to Toru, and it, like, pleases her for a moment, and then she's yeah. like, ah, fuck, and she has to, like, consciously, like, see that about her, like, emotional reaction and, like, be like, that's a bad way to feel about this, yeah. and I- Ha- that's- I- that's- even though it might make me feel good right in this moment- it's not a 
it's not a positive thing. And I, I thought that was a good moment for her, where it shows that she's, like, internalized this, like, growth she had in the her previous episode. And... Uh is moving forward and still trying to like actively work through it and it's not easy for her and it wasn't like an instant fix where like she had that realization now it, she's got it it's like I like that Fruits Basket shows that even when characters like grow and they make realizations it doesn't mean that like the way that they've been thinking and behaving all the way up until that moment instantly goes away it's like okay you realize something is wrong but it's still gonna be a process to like work through that and I like that I yeah. like that detail even with like a minor character like Kagura yeah I, that's, I feel like that's a really good read on it and I feel like it also supports what I just said about Yuki completely misunderstanding what happened between them yep <laughs> oh Yuki. because she's like struggling and he's like nah she's she's like <laughs> great look at her wow. she's so sure of her feelings she's so she knows what's going on. She's got a hold on her emotions, and Kagura is like, ha 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 I am trying to stop being toxic, but it's hard. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Oh, Yuki. Oh, Yuki. He, he certainly had an episode. He really had an episode. This is a long day for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was all in one day. <laughs> it's like... Wait, gotta like go to his parents' house, has this weird conversation with Kagura, and then of course uh this. I feel like I would get such powerful legs if I lived at Sugar Ray's house because there's so many stairs going up to his fucking house. Like Dude, damn. there's so many stairs in Japan. Everything is just stairs. I climbed so many stairs. Nice. Okay, so he sees Rin, he runs after Rin, and she tells him that Haru is the reason that he gets to live at Shigure's house. Um, and I thought that Yuki's facial- every facial expression Yuki makes in the flashbacks to the room is fucking perfect. They like all looked like they were ripped out of the manga, like they look so freaking good. Um, and the shot of Shigure standing over Yuki, who is, like, collapsed on the floor with the, like, backlighting, and, like, you can't even see either of them, it's just their silhouettes, also straight from the manga, was freaking beautiful. Mm -hmm. <sighs> this whole entire scene, like, this whole, like, last part of the episode was gorgeous. It was really good. Um, I have a question. Okay. Because you seem to have a better grasp on our girl Rin than I do um is she do you think she's jealous of Yuki no okay I okay. think that she um I think that Rin is independent to a fault and so I think that she really just doesn't want anyone else to get involved with her business. And I think she kind of has a grudge against Yuki just because he's the rat and he's so high ranking. And I think she sees him in the same way that Kyo does in that, like, he's, like, protected to some extent, even though, like, she knows that he's not. Um, yeah. But I don't think, I think, like, maybe when she was younger, she might have, like, held a grudge against him for, like, taking so much of Haru's attention. But I think at this point, I don't think she's jealous, and I just think that he wants- she wants him to just stay out of her business. 
That's fair, yeah. I also think maybe it's, like, somewhat she thinks he's, like, um, ungrateful in the sense that, like, or, like, I guess, mm. I mean, I, he doesn't know, but it's, like, she's, like, all of these people do these things for you, and like, you don't even know. Um, well, I think, actually, she, like, says this in the episode, I, I think, but I also think that she thinks that Yuki is ignorant. Yeah. Of just, like, everything that's going on around him because, like, he's the rat. Um, so, and she also, like, knows more than him. So in that's that true. way, he is also ignorant because she just has more information. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, um... Har- Haru rolls up, and I have this combo. <laughs> like, I can't figure out why Yuki is staring at them. Staring at them with his eyes fucking, like, taped open. And then they start making out, and he drops his bag. Like, I can't figure out, like, <laughs> why he's so transfixed by this. And then they start making out, and he's even more transfixed to buy it to the point where he drops his bag. He's scandalized. Hello? Um. Is he scandalized? Like, I don't know. He knows they're dating, and Haru tells him about his sex life. So, like, I don't... I, I like, don't know why he's, like, reacting that way, because he knows that they're together. I or guess, he knows but, they were together. But has he also ever witnessed physical affection between any two human beings before, is the question. <laughs> Truly. I don't know. Like, he's got a fucking absent father. It's like, he hears secondhand that Haru's dating this girl, and he's like, he understands dating in the abstract, but now he's witnessing this, like, whole fucking weird dramatic moment, and now there's, like, two of his friends making out in the woods in front of him, and he's just like, uh... And it's pretty uh, passionate, too. That kiss is very passionate. I thought they adapted it really well, because it's a really passionate and good kiss, and iconic kiss, and it looked great. Yeah. I will say that I don't feel like the anime, like gets Rin's hair the way that the manga does. No, it doesn't. But that's just because, like, Chikaya is, like, crazy about hair. And, yeah. like, her hair specifically, she's, like, really just loves to draw Rin's hair. Um, um, I did, like, the, the, like, matching imagery of, of Haru's, like, fingers, like, tangled in her hair as they're making out. And it matches the shot of the two of them, and it's, like, a flashback, and he's got, like, his his fingers tangled in her hair in the same way. That was yeah. nice. Um, honestly, this whole weird scene with Rin and Haru, like, I don't know, it doesn't hit for me. Like, it's just, like, so weird and intense and, like, really fast that I'm like, what the fuck is happening? It's like, Haru rolls up and he's like, you don't even, ca- like, so you really don't care about me? And she's like, no. Fuck off, leave me alone. <laughs> and he's like, I guess I'll die. And then he, like, she makes an expression. Haru's like, I knew you loved me! And they start making out, and I'm like, this is so soap opera. Like, I can't handle this. This is, like, I don't know. It's definitely a very, like, melodramatic part of Fruits Basket, but I love it. I can usually, like, stomach Fruits Basket melodrama, but something about this particular moment is just, like, I don't know. It's just weird to me. Something just, like, doesn't, like, it doesn't, like, flow right. It just, like, happens really fast and everything about it is like intense and strange but not like intense in a way that like like I don't feel anything when I watch it I'm just like it's weird I don't know I'm having a hard time articulating why it doesn't really work for me but I just watch it and it's just like also it's just like kind of dysfunctional like and then oh, yeah. like imme- um I mean, it is 
which not, doesn't necessarily put me off things immediately, but it's just like, yeah, and then she slaps him in the face and storms off, and he's like, that's that's the love of my life, and I'm like, you guys <laughs> need to, like, talk to each other, like, this is a mess. I think it's funny that you didn't like this, because usually it's me who doesn't like the melodrama, and you who doesn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I don't know. But Something I actually about- love this scene. Yeah, interesting. I just think, like, I think for me, like, Rin is just, like, always at 100. She is, like, always ready to, like, like, she's just always like this. And she's just really intense. And so I think that's, like, I guess, like, I can suspend my disbelief because Rin is just, like, intense in, like, every single scene she's in. And she's also, like, very abrasive and outspoken. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's more like Haru's behavior that kind of throws me. Also, the whole like I guess I'll die, like just like no, I don't. I don't like thing. that line. That like it just like it makes me uncomfortable, and it's also just like pretty outright manipulative, which is like something yeah. a little weird for Haru, because like yeah. some of the he's not one of the more manipulative characters. Like usually he's pretty forthright. Like yeah. there's characters in Fruits Basket that are like obviously very manipulative, and like both in good and bad ways like or like like how momiji is very manipulative but generally speaking with like very good intentions um Mm -hmm. but haru is usually pretty just like earnest and straight to the point and not really one to manipulate other characters so this like moment of like weird manipulation is like i don't know it's just a little strange yeah i think i agree with you i think it's a little out of character and i don't love the line i think his motivation there is I think he's Rin is lying. We, the audience, know Rin is lying, yeah. right? Do we at mm-hmm. this point? But Haru is yeah. trying to convince himself that Rin is lying and that she broke up with him for a reason separate than what she said. And so I think like that's why he's being so dramatic is because he's getting he's trying to get her to admit that she's lying. Yeah, yeah. And she and also like the way that they kiss like. He should not have grabbed her and kissed her like that, but, um, like, she kisses back, like, after she stops fighting. Um, like, she, like, obviously wants it. Yeah. He shouldn't have done it. <laughs> but it's yeah. shoujo. <laughs> it's shoujo. It's a little dated. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, also, I don't certain... think it'd be, like, that out of character for, like, uh, for, like, a teenage boy to do something like that. Yeah. Um... That is another element of it that did, like, kind of just, like, it's, it's, like, yeah, it's a little, I feel like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, the motivations make sense, and it's, like, I know why the characters are doing the things they do. It's just, like, I don't know if I necessarily, even though I kn- their motivations make sense, I still don't know if I, like, love the way that they chose yeah. to express those motivations through writing. Yeah. I don't know. That's just... That's fair. That's my take. Yeah. Um, fucking... Yeah, it's like the soap opera slap, like, ah! Storms away, which was only saved by Haru being really funny and being like, oh, I can't catch up to her. She's a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I like the slap. I think it's, like, very indicative of, like, Rin's character. Because I think, yeah. like, here's here's the big paragraph I wrote about Rin that I kind of jumped the gun on already because you asked me about it earlier. 
Rin, like, rejects other people to protect them as much as she does it to protect herself from getting hurt further. And I think, like, Haru, like, questioning that, because he says, like, he says, like, that she can't get up on her own. And so, like, to question her independence, which has become a coping mechanism, um, is also him questioning something that has become, like, a really fundamental aspect of her personality. And so, like, I think that's why she, like, reacts so strongly and, like, hits him. Like, again, like, she shouldn't have hit him. Um, yeah. But um, I think it, it, it was, it's a good, like, indicator of character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she leaves. Then she leaves. And then we get this Yuki and Haru moment, which is so sweet. I love um, them. Like, just so... Like, I loved this. I loved this whole moment so much. Me too. Um, it was just, like, fucking perfect. Like, I love... I love how it's, like... Haru being like you sh I'm like yeah it's like again him being like I'm happy you're pushing your boundaries and challenging yourself and Yuki being like and then Yuki has this moment because it's like now he had that like early in the episode Haru was like good for you look at you doing well and Yuki was like ah oh, thanks and now Haru says the same thing again but this time Yuki has the information that like Haru is the one that got him out of the house and he's like all of a sudden, like, being, like, aware of how much other- he's, like, reflecting on all of the things people have done for him to be able to get to this place, and he's like, oh my god, like, you want me to keep putting myself first, but, like, you've done so much for me, like, should I really- like, is it okay for me to prioritize myself right now? Is that, like, ethical? Like, is it my place to- is, is, it, is it selfish for me to be doing this? And then, like- I think it's just, like, Haru is then, like, you know, like, he says you're weak and you're kind, which I think is, like, I don't know, it's, like, calling someone weak, I feel like, is usually such an insult, but in this context, it's, like, I think it's him almost being, like, you're, you've had to deal with a bunch of bad shit in your life, and it's, like, it's okay for you to not have to be strong right now and try and give back like it's okay if you're right now if you're weak like it's okay to prioritize yourself and focus on getting better um and then like you're kind like you're not selfish like being around you makes other people happy like even if you feel like you're being selfish you do bring joy to other people and you are someone who is kind um it's just good it's a good moment yeah it was a good moment. There was something similar. I thought that the reason he starts crying is, is yeah, because he just has this revelation that, like, people do care about him and that he does have a support network and that, mm -hmm. and that he can prioritize himself. Um, yeah, it was such a good scene. I love Yuki and Haru. They're, yeah. like, one of my favorite relationships in Fruits Basket. And it's also this other mo- I think part of the- reason he also starts crying is that like yeah he realizes he has this support network and this support network that's okay with him like trying to self-prioritize because like in the past like all of his relationships have been with people who had like um selfish interests and like external motivations who wouldn't have been okay with him like taking this time for himself and leaning on them without anything in return like and all of a sudden he's got this, like, group of people who want him to get better and want him to be happy completely out of, for unselfish reasons, but just because they love him. Um, 
And I also, I think it was such, so perfect the way that they had, instead of just, like, going directly from these, like, intense things of, like, saying, and then Yuki starts crying, but for instead, Haru to kind of crack a joke, and Yuki to laugh. Also, Yuki's laugh is just so cute. Every time he oh, laughs, I know. I'm like, this is so fucking cute. I know. Um, and then for, like, the laughing to, like, turn into crying, I think that was just, like, the dam yeah. breaks a little bit and how like the moment Yuki expresses emotion like uninhibited it's like kind of easy for it to turn to something else because like he suppresses laughter and he suppresses crying the same way like he's not just suppressing his negative emotions the way that like Toru is emotionally expressive but she's also super super suppressed and suppresses like all of her negative emotions and only lets her positive emotions show Yuki kind of suppresses everything evenly um, and so mm. this, like, uh, letting himself laugh is also a gateway to letting himself cry. That's such a hot take! I'm so emotional. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Wow, what a scene. Yuki has a day. Yuki really has a day. I hope he, like, goes to bed, like, takes a nap. That sounds exhausting. If I had a day like that, right. I would be so drained. Uh, yeah, and then we move on. Oh, also, okay, this is, I don't know if you know this, the answer to this. This is more of a logistical question. So Kyo is, I assume, walking back to Shigure's house. And then he stops, turns around, and runs the opposite direction, and then eventually finds Toru. Where was he going? Was he going to find Toru? I think he was looking for Toru. I think that, like... I think it's him being like, oh, I've been weird and distant, and I shouldn't be doing this. I need to go find Toru. Um, okay. That's what I her. interpreted it as. Um, and I think he knows that she was visiting her. I actually didn't even notice that it happened the first time that yeah. I watched the episode. Because I think... Because <laughs> it happens as a transition back into the Yuki Hattori thing. I also think it's like he knows that he's visiting... She's visiting her grandpa, which might be upsetting for her. And so he's like, yeah. oh, shit, I've been, like up in my own head all week like are, is she okay and then like running to go find her because i mean she knows where he she'd be um right. he's not just like searching the city blindly <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah so then we have this i didn't really have anything to say about the scene between her and her grandpa it's i mean i think this is like where we're like really starting to confront the fact that Toru is extremely traumatized yeah. like uh because of course she is she's 15 right. she's an orphan her mom just died like she's obviously like she's doing like okay like she's going to school she's living with her friends but like if you met a 15 year old and you're like oh like what's going on they're like oh my mom died last year and I'm living with some of my classmates like you'd be like are you okay like do you have a therapist like Obviously, like, she's not okay. You can't be okay yeah. if that just happened to you. Um, yeah. And so this is, like, one of the first kind of honest looks into the fact that, like, oh, right, Toru might be, like, has has been sort of this, like, guiding light and helping all of these other people through the entire rest of the show, but she's also been, like, internally struggling with a lot. Um, and even before her mom died, she was struggling with things. Um, yeah, for sure. And so you see this moment with, like, 
like this is like her this is her ptsd being triggered it's like her grandpa says like oh i want to see uh i wish i could see them again talking about like her dead parents and it like reminds her of i don't know this is like spoil i'll try to do this and like it's like but it reminds her of her mom like leaving after her dad died and like how scary and traumatic that was for her and so it's like a genuine like ptsd flashback like that's what that was well we do see that like that like she's like in one of the flashbacks that they show us she's like standing at the door saying something like oh don't take her away and it really speaks to the fact that like toru like actually does have abandonment issues um but she's just like so suppressed that she like i don't even know if she knows at I this think, point. like, one of the notes I made is I think part of her underlying reasons, like, obviously she wants to break the curse because she wants to help the Somas, and she, like, cares about them and loves about them and is, like, in many ways a genuinely selfless person. But I think also, like, the idea, uh, like, this is her support system after basically the most traumatic thing in her life just happened to her. is like her mom just died, and what's gotten her through this is this like group of people taking her in and even though like this show a lot of the time focuses on what toru has been doing for the rest of the somas but also like the somas have been there for toru and supporting her like financially even though they don't pay her it's like she has free room and board because of them like and that's huge um yeah and so this has been like a lifesaver for her and so the and like also these are her best friends like she these are people she loves very dearly and loves her in return and so the idea of like that she might lose them all all at once like is terrifying and she's got this like i think the i she feels very like toru's life has been marked by losing people without having any control over it just this sort of relentless having people taken away from her um in the idea that even more people she loves might be taken away from her again i think is like even if she's not consciously aware of it is definitely like deeply deeply terrifying to her Um, yeah and so i think like part of her desperation to break the curse is like she doesn't want to keep losing people yeah um that was really insightful thank you um i'd be thinking about toru I'm not really thinking about Toru most of the time, so. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, the, I actually, like, this, the scene where she, like, the scene that we're talking about where she, after she leaves her grandfather's house and she's, like, kind of walking down the street, like, and the, all these, like, repressed memories are, like, flooding back to her, um, was, like, very, like, visually, like, very beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. the lighting design was freaking gorgeous. Um, I actually, it was, I actually thought it was, like, the most beautiful scene in the episode. Um, Kyoru, Kyoru good. Kyoru good. It reminded me a little bit of the scene where Yuki's going to the Soma estate to talk, to check on Haru. He's, like, walking down the street and, like, having flashbacks and, like, staggering around. Um, yeah. Where she's, like, also walking down the street and having flashbacks and, like, collapsing <laughs> on the sidewalk. Um. Yeah. But... This this does show that, like, Toru is probably one of the most, if not the most, repressed character right now. Yeah, like, she's, like, more Kyo repressed than Yuki. Kyo and Yuki have been, like, working on it and, like, processing and, you know, trying to, like, work through shit. And Toru's just like, I don't want to touch this. I want to keep this in a locked box in the back of my head. But I even, 
I even think that, like, Yuki and Kyo, like, even before they start working on their own shit, I think they at least both know that they're traumatized. Like, they both already yeah. know that they have issues. But I just don't even think, like, Toru can accept it. Like, I don't think yeah. she realizes until, like, now. But that's because she, it's, like, almost, like, toxic positivity. Yeah. And it's, like, and you can't really blame her because it's, like, what, like, it's, like, it's, she's doing what she knows. Like, when Kyoko had to, like, cope with, had to cope with, uh, Katsuya dying, like, she had her whole, like, there was, like, sort of, like, a hint in this episode that she, like, took it really badly. But then, like, aside from this, it's, like, you never see Kyoko, like, as, like, a normal sort of adult, like, dwelling on that. It's, like, Kyoko's very relentlessly positive in the face of living, like, a hard life as, like, a very young single mother. Um, mm-hmm. And so Toru's model for how to cope with hard things in life is relentless positivity. So yeah. that's what she does. Yeah. Well, Toru. But I love that Kyo just... I feel like Kyo is so... He just, like, knows what she needs. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that he touches her in this scene is, like, it's very cute, it's very familiar. The way that he, like, pulls her up and, like, makes a joke and, like, tries to cheer her up because, like, he knows that she's not going to talk about whatever it is um, like... that's bothering her. Um, but, yeah, they're so in love. It's crazy. It's crazy. I like that Toru has a little... Kyo big moment in this she's like oh he can manhandle me (laughs) and it's like (laughs) it's so funny see her eyes go wide okay god what were we even fucking talking about I have no idea so we just had a bunch of technical difficulties um we were just talking about the end of the scene and oh yeah the end of the Kyoru scene Kyoru Tor- Kyo is like manhandling Toru a bit and she's like a little fl- she's like ooh Kyo big um, <laughs> um yeah cute so in conclusion that scene was cute <laughs> but I think we were done talking about it yeah we're done I was anyway uh so then we go back to the house for this one last scene that I thought was like really funny um that Haru <laughs> Haru saying that Shigure obfuscating the truth is the reason why he's single is 100% correct and true and real. Yep. (laughs) That is the reason he's single. Yep. (laughs) Oh, Haru. Um, And then, yeah. And then the parallel of Rin offering to sleep with Shigure in exchange for information and then Haru kind of doing the same thing but, like, as a joke. It's very funny. Yeah. And Shigure just being disgusted. Shigure is like, please, teenagers, <laughs> stop doing this to me. I'm in hell. Teenagers, stop propositioning me challenge. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite problem that fucking Kareno and Katsuyu have. Ah, <laughs> uh, That was spoiler. Okay. Uh, but, uh, some... <laughs> Shigure is really just like, please, please, you guys. Please. I know I have creepy, I my creepy six... energy, but I swear I don't want to <laughs> sleep with teenagers. I don't know what I have to do to I convince mean... you people of this. <laughs> please, 16-year-olds, stop coming on to me. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sugar, he does a lot of fucked up stuff, but he draws the line at sleeping with his teenage cousins. <laughs> Good for the bar. The bar is literally underground. Lit fucking at the core of the earth. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything more to say about that scene? No. Oh, and then I think, I, I did like, I liked the, um, I think the, whatever, the little moment of it being like, this is the time in your life to struggle and figure shit out is like, very true. Like, I feel like Takaya is good at writing teenagers and good at sort of like, addressing the core of what people go through at that age, even if in this Mm -hmm. instance it's like, pretty extreme because of like, magic PTSD, um, and cults and stuff, like, it's still true that, like, yeah, when you are 16, everything is a lot, and you're intent, and it's intense, and you care about everything, and it's hard, and you're in hell, like, that is true, that's what being <laughs> yeah. a teenager is, and she's, Sugar Ray's right, it is the time to struggle. Yeah. Yeah. He do be giving, like, good advice and saying some, some true, some, some fucking facts. Yeah. He's spitting facts. When he's not obfuscating the truth, he's spitting facts. <laughs> yeah, sure is. Um, yeah, and then I wanted to say that the song for the ending, I actually like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that the illustrations are very beautiful, and I'm sure there's a lot of symbolism in it, but um, where's the emotion? Yeah. Um, I thought they were pretty. I thought that Haru looks like he's dressed kind of like Jon Snow. Um, (laughs) yeah, but, yeah, 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 so that was, like, we've been recording for a long time. Yeah, we have. Uh, cause this was a, like, fucking, like, thick episode. It was thick. She was thick. Um, (laughs) yeah, but, it was a good episode, though. And I'm, it was really good. Yeah. And I am hype as fuck for parent-teacher conference next week. Hell yeah. So excited. So excited. It's good. Shall I end it? Yeah, take us out, Soph. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Tumblr at SomaSoGood or hit us up on social media if there's anything you want to ask us or anything you want us to discuss. Um, Thanks and see you next time.